brothers and sisters in Christ who are proclaiming the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. We pray specifically for Wit uh, and for Christ Presbyterian, and we ask that you would be with them. Uh, Lord, we thank you for co-laborers in the gospel. This morning, Father, we ask that you would be with us as we listen to your words from 1 Corinthians 13. God, would you show us the better way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How y'all doing this morning? Dang. Matt Mason, always loud. I love it. <laughs> uh, so as Charlie said, I'm the college director here at River Rock. My name is Mason Carmichael. Um, I'm also really appreciative. I want to thank Charlie for giving me the opportunity to, to come up here and do this. Um, not a lot of churches would, would let somebody that doesn't have a lot of seminary experience come up here and, um, and get experience preaching. Um, so I'm really, really thankful for this church, and I'm glad that you guys are here today as well. So if you've been here the past couple weeks, you've known that we're in a series right now called Gifted. Um, so basically the past couple Sundays, we've been talking about what your spiritual gifts are and then how you're supposed to use those spiritual gifts. Uh, so last week, Charlie did a really good job of explaining in the second half of 1 Corinthians 12 um, that we have spiritual gifts. Um, here's how you use spiritual gifts. Uh, and the most important thing that he said from that is um, with these spiritual gifts, uh, we all have to be unified together as a body. And in order to be unified um, and to move as one body, we have to have a head and we have to have a brain. And that head and brain is Jesus Christ. Um, so building on this kind of idea of, okay, we have these spiritual gifts. We know what they are. We know that we have to use them in service, but how do we do that? Um, so we're going we're gonna to jump in right there. So uh, I felt like the appropriate title for my sermon today was uh, What's Love Got to Do With It? So what's love got to do? Got to do. College kids, you can Google that after service. You probably don't know what that means. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to be diving in today to 1 Corinthians 13, which is one of my favorite passages. It's actually my dad's favorite passage um, because it talks a lot about uh, Christ-like love. So let's go ahead and uh, let's dive in. If I speak human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, does not keep a record of wrongs, finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, and the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctly, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these th three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So as y'all can see, there's, there's a lot to unpack in this one little section of Scripture. Um, there's a, this overarching thing, theme of love. Um, and, you know, if I really wanted to be surface level and boil it down, I can, I can tell you guys like, oh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 13 is about love. And we can be out of here and go to lunch. But there's so, so much more to that. 
um, in here. So the first thing I want you guys to, to notice um, from this section is that love is a necessity. So we'll, we'll go back into to 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verses 1 through 3. Um, so Paul lays it out pretty clearly in these verses. If I speak human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I donate all my goods to feed the poor, if I am my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Um, so Paul's not really pulling any punches here. Um, you know, he's, he's not saying, well, if, if I have all of these gifts of, of prophecy and hospitality and giving, um, I, I can just have those things and stand on my own and I'll be good. Uh, we talked last week about how everybody's got their, their spiritual gifts. Everybody's got something they excel at. Um, and I encourage you guys, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, to go and, and take a spiritual gifts test. There's a lot of good ones, I believe. Um, either in the bulletins or back at the connection table today, we have handouts that um, give you a little bit more information on spiritual gifting. So those are, those are great resources. Um, but it's, it's not enough just to be good at something. Um, even if it's something that serves the church, it's, it's not enough just to, to be up here. Um, Charlie every Sunday is up here teaching. Um, Stephen's up here leading music. Um, but that's, that's not enough. Um, that's just a gift. Um, so Paul literally says, um, you know, if he, if he doesn't have love, he doesn't have anything. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna as we go on through this message, we're gonna unpack a little bit of what kind of love Paul is referring to. Um, but um, love is a necessity. We we need to have love in everything we do as Christians. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I thought that a really good supporting verse to this um, is in Galatians five. Uh, Paul writes again, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So I love verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patient kindness, goodness, and faith, gentle self-control. Um, and so it, it, he's talking about um, these fruits of the Spirit are the, thing, the things that we're able to uh, to show through our love to one another as Christians. Um, and below that, he says, against this, these things, there is no law. Um, this is a really big thing contextually uh, for the people that he's talking to because the law of the land was huge. Um, if you were Jewish, you had the old law that you had to follow, so you couldn't eat certain foods, you couldn't wear certain clothing, you couldn't shave your beard, anything like that. I would be in big trouble if I had to live in, in Jewish law because I, my beard is trimmed so um (laughs) and i'm pretty sure this isn't 100 percent cotton so that that would not be good either um but thinking about like listen when you're using your gifts um patience kindness goodness faith greatness self-control there are no laws against these things so you guys are able to go out and do that whenever wherever 365 24 7 um and it's not just a suggestion um, Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 1 through 3, like, if I have love, I have nothing. Or if I don't, excuse me, if I don't have love, I have nothing. Um, so this is something that we're required to do as, as a body of believers. Um, so so that, that's kind of where I wanted to start us, is, is unpacking that and breaking that down a little bit. So um, we're all on the same page, right? Uh, love is optional. 
Yeah, yeah. When I say something y'all don't agree with, y'all yell heresy back at me. That's one of the things that Charlie does that I love. Um, uh, love is only when you're feeling it. Dang, y'all need to wake up. There's coffee in the back. Um, our setup team does a great job. Uh, some strong cups of coffee. Uh, love is a necessity, right? Yeah. Love is a necessity. We have to have love, right? We have to have it. All right, so we're going to move on now to the kind of second section of this verse here. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not conceited. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked. It does not keep record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. How many of you guys have heard this section of scripture before? Raise your hands. That's what I thought. Fair number of you guys. How many of you guys have ever heard this read at like a wedding before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same amount of hands. Uh, for my millennials, how many of you have seen this as an Instagram post for Woman Crush Wednesday? Anybody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Can't hide. Um, yeah, like people use this, again, at their weddings for like cheesy Instagram posts about their, their girlfriends or um, something like that, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in the church for like the first half of my life, and um, I still knew this. The, the girl I dated in high school, her parents had this plastered in a frame in their bathroom. So like every time you, you go to use the bathroom, you're like, oh, love is patient, love is kind. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm reading this here, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's pretty familiar. And the, the thing that I want to specify about this verse is Paul is not talking about a romantic love. Paul's not even talking about a brotherly love in this sense. Um, and a lot of people, me, myself included, before I started digging in and doing a lot of research on this passage, like, oh, yeah, like this is the verse that I'm going to say to my wife one day when we get married because that's what our romantic love is supposed to be. And that's what the Bible's talking about, like. That's what romantic love should strive to be, but this is actually an agape kind of love. And agape is the Greek word that means Christ-like love. So um, this is a love that we should strive for. It's a perfect love. Um, And it's what Paul is asking the church in Corinth to do with their spiritual gifts, is to love each other like Christ loved them. Um, So just going through all of these things, um, we know for a fact that this is not a human or a a fabricated or replicated love because um, if we were to love like this passage says every day and nonstop without making a mistake, we would be perfect. Um, And this is impossible. So love is patient. I get angry and frustrated with people all the time. I've driven on I-35. It is a nightmare. Like, I don't understand. There's some people like, oh yeah, a little traffic doesn't bother me. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. It must be the way that I'm wired or something. Road rage is severe, guys. It's a real thing. Pray for your boy on that. Um, love is kind. Uh, I, I like to try and be kind all the time, but sometimes when I get upset about things, I, I can be hurtful towards people. I got a couple of my soccer teammates here today, um, and they can tell you firsthand if they do something that I don't like, I'm not very kind sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, lo- love does not envy. This one, I think, is the hardest one for me to swallow, and I, I imagine for you guys as well. Um, how many times do we want what others have? You know, how many times am I looking, you know, at, at someone else's lifestyle? I'm like, man, 
I wish I could afford to go on trips like they go on. Or, man, I, I wish that I could travel to all of these cool and exotic and unique places. Um, if I love that person, I should not be envious of them. Uh, if, if I love <clears throat> my, my family or my girlfriend or any of that stuff, like, I should not be envious of what they have. And at the same time, the reverse of that is not be boastful. I should not be prideful about, man, well, you know, I remembered to get you a gift on our anniversary and you didn't remember to get me a gift. So I'm going to rub it in your face. Love you. Like, gentlemen, have y'all ever tried that before? Um, probably, your, your wife or significant other probably has never forgotten to get you a gift because they are much better than you are. But um, if, if you've tried that before, let me know how it works. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised you're still alive. So... Um, yeah, love is not conceited, does not act improperly, it is not selfish, it is not provoked, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Um, all of those things I struggle with on a day-to-day basis, especially for the, even for the people that I love the most, I find myself um, being that way, especially the, the keeping the record of wrongs thing. How many times are, are we guilty every single week of, of maybe we had a fight with a spouse, and it's been a week. And we, we come, come to them and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm still mad at you for the thing you did last week or last month or last year. Um, newsflash, guys, that's not how you love somebody. Um, and I'm, I'm the most guilty party of this there is. I, I do not have short-term memory when it comes to things and when people have wronged me on things. And it's hard. That's one of the hardest things is to, is to be able to, to look someone in the eye that's wronged you and say, I love you enough to forgive you, but even more to not let you wallow in this and not keep bringing it up uh, because that's, that's how you really, really uh, fracture relationships there. Um, so the, uh, Matthew, in the book of Matthew, it, it does a really, really good job of, of tying this in with, with what this Christ life love looks like. So um, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Um, So for a little bit of context uh, with these verses. So the Pharisees are these dudes in the the New Testament who, um, they were the religious leaders of the time. They have the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. Um... They're the authority in all the land on everything holy and everything godlike. And so they're questioning whether or not Jesus is the Messiah and is the Savior. So every time these Pharisees interact with Jesus, they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to give him uh, something to stumble on to prove that he's not the Messiah, therefore making him a false teacher, which back in the day, if you were a false teacher, uh, it didn't turn out too well for you. Uh, and so they ask him, you know, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he tells them plainly, it is to love the Lord your God, um, which is, by the way, the greatest thing that any of us can do with our time here on earth is to love God and to serve God. However, Jesus realizes that the Pharisees have this part down. I mean, the dudes memorize scripture. Um, they know what it means to love God. Um, so he throws in there, and second, love your neighbor. Because these guys are notoriously bad about being kind and loving and all of these things that love is supposed to be to people that they interact with. Um, and so Jesus makes that a big distinction and holds it right up next to loving God. 
Um, and I imagine that a lot of you have heard that before. You might not have recognized where it is in the Bible, but if someone's like, hey, you know, what, is, what does God ask you to do? Like, what's his greatest commandment? Oh, to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's kind of ingrained in us as we grow up is, you know, do to your neighbor as you want done to you, things like that, the golden rule, right? Um, so this, this kind of Christ-like love um, is something that, that Paul's asking the church in Corinth to use when they display their gifts. This is not just reserved for in times when they're happy or in times when things are going well for them. This is something that they need to strive to show um, with their giftings. Um, you, you know, if, if Pastor Charlie got up here every Sunday to preach and then after dipped out and didn't want to talk to anybody because he's like, man, I did my work for the day. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to shake anybody's hand and tell them that they're welcome here. Would you guys want to serve under that kind of pastor? I wouldn't. If, if he's not willing to invest in his people, but we are fortunate enough at River Rock Bible Church that our pastors take the time not only to do their job on Sunday, but sharing and teaching, but to make sure during the week and on Sunday mornings before and after service, they're shaking hands of everybody. We're saying, hey, I miss you. I'm glad you're here. How are you doing? And, and that's the kind of love that Paul is asking us to engage in. Um, so let, let's be thinking about that as we kind of move forward here to the next section. All right, so the, the, the next section we got here is the, the end of 1 Corinthians 13, um, verses 8 through 13. So love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror... But then face to face, uh, now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So to recap our first two points, we have love is a necessity. And then we have to love God is to love people. Because we have to have that, like Charlie talks every single week, we have to have a vertical relationship with God and a horizontal relationship with people. And for those of y'all playing at home, what kind of shape does that make when you put them together? Oh, it's a cross. Yeah, very good. Participation points. Y'all get to go. Um, so yeah, love is a necessity. To love God is to love people. And so now the third point that I want you guys to, to, to see in this is love is eternal and brings us into community with God. So love is eternal and brings us into communion with God. Um, this again, Paul is not really up for debate. So Paul, the first verse in verse 8, love never ends. All right, cool. That's just an easier way to say eternal. Um, so we see that, you know, our love will not only last here on earth, but as we move forward into the next life and, and get to be in heaven, that love will continue. Um, and then he goes on to say that, that prophecies, languages, knowledge, um, all of these things will come to an end. All of these things will fade. Um, I know on Sunday mornings, you guys have seen me sometimes up here leading music with the band. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to, to have the gifting of being able to, to sing and, and have a gifting for music. But when I'm 50, 60 years old, my voice will fade. I won't be able to play guitar. Charlie joked <laughs> when I was making my sermon, you know that Ed Sheeran song, um, when my hands won't play the strings the same way. That's real. Like, that's going to happen to me one day. I'm not going to be able, and, you know, to Stephen as well, there's going to be a time with Charlie where he gets to retirement age, and maybe his, his mind's not as sharp as it used to be, and he won't be able to, 
hey, he's still young, he's spry, um, he's got a while to go. <laughs> Y'all are too much this morning, man. Um, there's going to come a time where maybe, you know, he's not going to be able to, to teach like he once did. Um, but the thing I want you guys to leave, if you leave here with one thing today, this needs to be it. Your gifts will fade, whether you're a gifted teacher, gifted singer, you're gifted in, in missions, things like that. Your gifts will fade. But if your love decreases with your gifts, you are doing something wrong. Our Christ-like love for one another should never deplete. It should never stop. It should never go away. That is the one thing Paul says that will last forever. If we are unable to love each other and we use our, fa- our, our lacking in our gifts to make up for that and to give an excuse for not being able to love one another, we are missing the whole point of the faith. Because I don't know about you guys, but it wrecks me every time I think about a God of the universe coming down from heaven, leaving his father, living here for three years with people, sharing the gospel, making disciples, and then knowing his fate, choosing to die on the cross for our sins, knowing that not only would it be painful for his body physically, but he would be separated from God. And now I want to let you guys know something. From the time you were born to the time that you die on this earth, you would never have been separated from God because of the price that Jesus paid for you. That's incredible. And that's something I think that, you know, we overlook, me, myself, a lot. I overlook the significance of that and what that love means. Um, and so Paul is, is asking us to love at least a little bit, a fraction of this sacrifice that Jesus has given to us. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys realize this as well, but when we get to heaven, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you meet God face to face, are you going to be alone in heaven for the rest of eternity with God? No, you're not. There's going to be people there with you. So you, I, you might have the excuse of, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to heaven. If I love God, that's enough. I don't really have to mess with people. It's just me and God. If me and God are good, no problem. Um, there's going to be people with you in heaven that you're going to have to love. And you're going to have to learn how to do that. Um, and even more importantly, while you're here on earth, um, what better way to evangelize to somebody than to live your life like Jesus lived his life and to love them like Jesus did? I don't know about you, but I've seen a bunch of sidewalk preachers with megaphones out there yelling at people, firing brimstone, telling them that they're going to go to hell. How many people do you think walk up to me like, hey, man, your God sounds awesome. Can I get one of those pamphlets? I don't want to go to hell. Like, you know, people walk by them and, and keep going like, man, that guy's rude. That guy's crazy. That guy's kind of mean. Um, it's, it's the people that share their life and their love with people. I remember when I was in middle school, I had, uh, for those of you that don't know, this will blow your mind, by the way. Um, I was a competitive hip hop dancer from the time I was eight to the time I was 18. No joke. My parents are here. Pull them aside afterwards. That's all I'll give you right now. It's a little taste. It's a little bit. Anyway, um, when I was about 13, I had a dance teacher who shared the gospel with me for the first time. Um, And I didn't believe it because he threatened me with an eternity in fire if I didn't say yes to, to his God. I believed it because he was genuine. I believed it because I saw the sacrifice that he made for me and my friends and knew that that was greater than himself because I had never seen that kind of love before in my entire life. 
And, and that's something that, that, that's what Paul wants us to get away from this. Um, that's what we, we need to take away from this is um, that love, that sacrificial love, that is how you share the gospel with people. You don't blast them with scripture they've never heard before. You don't sit there and say, hey, um, I'm going to read you the whole book of Leviticus and you're going to sit there and then we're going to have a conversation about it, right? I would bail on that coffee meetup like, oh, sorry, man, I got the stomach flu and my dog ate my homework. I can't come. Like any excuse that I could make to get out of that, I would. But if I'm, if I'm here having a genuine conversation, hey, I want to hear your story and then I want to share with you a story that changed my life. How many of you would want to sit down and have coffee with somebody like that, right? That's it. It's as easy as it is, right? Um, and and th- this is really uh, highlighted again in, in 2 Peter 1. Um, Peter talks about, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So I don't know how many of you guys know this about me, but I am a grammar snob. Um, I am somebody that um, my brother will shoot me a text and use the wrong your, and before I even respond to the question, I'll just be like, the right your with an asterisk next to him to correct him. Um, and I know that this is a quality about me that's kind of irritating to people, and so I'm trying to cut back. I mean, I was in a group message with a couple friends, and last week someone's like, that's my biggest pet peeve is when someone corrects my grammar. So I was like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm not going to correct your grammar anymore. I'll leave it like that. Um, and that's kind of what Peter is telling us in this verse. He's like, look, you can have all the knowledge in the world. You could be the smartest guy in the world, um, but if you're not loving people with your knowledge, it's just knowledge. And this is especially true with the Bible. We go back to the Pharisees. If you look at the Pharisees, they knew more than anybody that they interacted with. But how, how many times did they get into confrontation with the God of the universe in the New Testament? Several, several times. Because they knew everything, but they had no love in their hearts for it. So that's another thing. I, I want to encourage you to study and to know as much as you can about God because you want to have a, a good intimate relationship with God. But if that comes in over priority, sorry, if that becomes a priority over loving people, stop what you're doing and reevaluate where you're at, right? Sound good? Awesome. <laughs> sorry, I was a soccer coach. So that whole like, sound good? We in? All right, good. Let's go. Let's run laps. All right, you guys are going to have to run laps today. I don't know. Charlie might have us do that for the offering, but we'll see. Um, I want to highlight 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Uh, so he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. Um, childlike tendencies, right? So I always often use this illustration with people when I'm talking about um, like the nature of sin, right? So when you're a little kid, Someone, did someone have to teach you how to share your toys with somebody else? Yeah, right? When I was a kid, hey, share with your brother. Okay. Did anyone have to teach you how to hit somebody or how to steal something from somebody? No, right? And there's, there's a reason for that. There's a reason. There's a wiring in that. Um, and so Paul's telling us in this, like, look, 
When you were a child, you spoke like a child. So before you, you knew and come into maturity with Christ, you were doing childlike things. You were being selfish, envious, conceited. Um, but, but now I, I'm a man, so I put aside those childish things. So it, he's putting aside the nature of selfishness and conceit and envy in order to just love people well. And that, that's something that I'm going to challenge you guys uh, to, to leave here with today as well, is there's times when you're going to have a coworker that is getting in your face about stuff or is being super passive-aggressive about things. Um, what would it look like to show Christ's love to that person by not chewing them out or not talking behind their back? So maybe you won't see the fruits of that in the beginning, but maybe you know four or five months down the line, they'll come to you and say, hey, I've been really, really awful to you lately, and I'm really sorry. I've been going through stuff. Like, why haven't you just given it back to me? Look at the, look at the, the, the opportunity that's presented itself there. Like, you know, I could have, and I wanted to. I'm not going to lie to you, but there is a love that I know and a grace that I know through the God of the universe that he did so much for me and forgiveness of me that I, I needed to show at least a little bit of fraction of grace for you. And if you're interested in how... I'm able to do that. Um, I'd love to fill you in because I, I got a newsflash for you. That has nothing to do with me. So um, that's something that I want you guys to think in, the, in that your love um, grows the body and maturity when you're using it with your gifts. If you're, if you're here on Sunday morning serving, whether it be set up and tear down or music or children's ministry, if you're doing it with a heart of love and a heart of service, the body is going to grow maturity and God will be pleased with that. Um, so there's, there's a section I was reading in my Bible this week that I, I kind of wanted to, to throw in here. Um, this is a letter to Timothy. So for those of you guys that don't know Timothy, he was kind of Paul's protege. Um, so Paul discipled him, trained him up, and then sent him off on his own. And so he's writing this letter to Timothy to kind of give him some instructions on what he has to do um, when, he, when he goes out. So this is 1 Tim, Timothy 1, 3 through 7. So Paul's writing this to Timothy. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach different doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. All right, we're going to pause right there. So he's talking about the, the knowledge of endless genealogies and that being more important than Christ. And he said, hey, if you see this, Timothy, I want you to put a stop to it, okay? All right, moving on. Um, now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have deviated from these and turned aside to fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand that what they are saying or what they are insisting on. Again, Paul, the very, very beginning of his first section to his letter to Timothy, don't let teachers be preaching these false gospels and making it all about knowledge and making it all about what they know, we have to be instructing in love because if we're instructing in love, we're instructing like Christ. Um, if I'm up here talking about everything that I know, am I bringing glory to God? If it's just about the knowledge, probably not. I'm bringing glory to myself because I'm like, look at me. Look how much I know. Look how great I am. Um, Paul's asking the Corinthians, he's asking Timothy to think differently, to think, okay, what would it look like to, to use my knowledge to further the kingdom of God by how I love people, right? Okay, so, um, yeah, faith without hope, or sorry, faith without love is fruitless and empty, right? So faith without love is fruitless and empty. Um, so, so to recap um, kind of where we've gone, uh, 
First of all, love is a necessity. We have to do it. We, we have to love people. It's not an option. If you're a believer in Christ and you don't love people, um, you, you got to take some time and reexamine what you believe in, you know? Uh, uh, second point is to love God is to love people, right? If we love our Father, if we have that vertical connection, we have to have that horizontal connection with our brothers and our body of believers. Um, and then uh, third, love is eternal and brings us into community with God. Uh, love is the only thing that we have that will not fade. Our gifts will fade, our knowledge will fade, but our love will not. Um, and it's what brings us into community with God. Uh, so I'm going to leave you guys with this last verse. I want you to think about it. Take it home this week. Think about how Paul ends this letter and think about the importance of it. I'm not going to break it down up here. I want you guys to leave with this verse and to think about it and break it down and talk about it in your small groups this week. Um, if, you're, if you're not in, in small groups, I strongly suggest you guys get plugged into one. Um, Sunday morning is not enough to dive into everything that we talk about. Um, and if you want people to love you well and to demonstrate this Christ-like love to you and help grow you in maturity, find a small group. We have some almost every single day of the week, different times, different age groups that we love you guys to get involved in. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Okay, so for those of you here today that have maybe been coming to River Rock for a while and are using your spiritual gifts in a loving way to further the maturity of the kingdom, I want to encourage you and tell you to keep going. Like, you may not be noticed all the time by people, but you're noticed by, by God, and that matters way, way more than what we think. For those of you that have been coming to River Rock and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe don't know what your spiritual gifts are or know them but don't know where to get connected and where to serve and how to love people well, I'd encourage you, come pull me aside, pull Charlie aside after service, go find one of our elders, and we'd love to get you connected somewhere. We'd love to help you find somewhere to serve. Um, and lastly and most importantly, if you are here today and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ um, and you have not put your trust in Jesus, I just want to offer you the invitation to at least take a step to learn more about what that means. Um, you heard me today. You heard what Paul said today in Corinthians about the most important thing we have as believers is love. Come experience that. I want you to come experience the life-changing, life-saving love that I've experienced by putting my trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to hear the countless stories of people in this church, in your community, that you wouldn't believe at how God has moved in their lives. I want you to experience that. So if you've not put your trust in Jesus, um, if you're bold enough to have a conversation with one of us at the end, we would love to talk to you. If not, you can always write something on your connection card and we'll follow up with you as well. Um, so uh, I'm going to pray for us real quick and then uh, we're going to get things moving. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to come here and remind ourselves um, what it means to, to use love and to have love be the foundation and cornerstone of our giftings. I pray this week as we leave, um, we're able to share the gospel with somebody and, and use what we've learned here in, in the book of Corinthians to, to demonstrate our love to them and not only the love that we have for them, but the love we've received from you. Um, and Lord, I, I pray that, that we leave here contemplative and thinking.